I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 20 of the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean. And joined as always is my co-host, badass content creator, Josh Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? Ah! Hi! Anyway, welcome new listeners, if you're here. I'm glad you're here if you are. If you're a returning listener, also welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, what this show is about is my co-host Josh and I talk about geeky and nerdy pop culture and news and fun topics of movies and TV shows, etc., we also go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM for short, every episode or every few episodes or ever, and we'll see how in a short period of time the biggest media company on Earth caters towards solely children with a large sample size, and we'll see any quality changes, etc. And our first episode ever was a little over a year ago, back in mid-May, and it was about our, f- our first films we ever made. We're both filmmakers. And now this episode will be about our senior films now that we've graduated from college last month. Do you now remember me telling you about this topic? I do remember now. <laughs> Good! <laughs> anyway! Uh, this time, though, for our DCOM, we weren't doing one. <laughs> what? Uh, I was totally not informed of this, wink wink, until about five minutes ago. There's none this time around, and I'll explain why near the end of the episode, and so stick around to find out why. So, we did have news, though. Wait, before we get to that. Did you watch anything good recently? Oh boy, I have been watching things. Um, Barry, the HBO show, just wrapped up its third season. Easily one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Um, It's phenomenal. Bill Hader, as a director, has really grown, and he does an incredible job. Um, And of course, acting and writing-wise, he's fantastic, but directing, he really proved himself. Um, Stranger Things, season four, volume one. I think we've already talked about that. Um, The Boys... Oh, we did? That's, that's what I was going to bring up this episode as well for my, what I watched recently. Because I didn't watch anything uh, else besides Stranger recently. Well, Volume 1 of Stranger Things Season 4 is very good. I'm excited to see how it ends. Yeah. Um, I started The Boys Season 3. That's, again, as fantastic as the first two seasons. But other than that, I've been very busy working. I've been wanting to watch like the new Nef- Adam Sandler drama on Netflix. Same as there's a new one from the Wait, director of Top Gun. Um, Hustle. It's a basketball uh, movie. But not Hustlers. That's a different movie. That's a different one. That's about <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. If they were together, that'd be a bit different. And Cardi B. Oh, yeah. She wasn't that. Yeah. Odd- For like two scenes. Uh, yeah. So I watched Miss- the first episode of Miss Marvel. It's oh, Miss Marvel. I forgot about that. It's so good. I love it. It's very fun. It's great. 
good good times. I also am caught up on Stranger Things now, and I'm obsessed with it. I've already made two TikToks about it. I have about six more of my drafts. So, I'm making now TikToks every day again, Josh. Crazy. Nice. I've been meaning to start doing YouTube stuff. I have so many scripts and stuff written for reviews and other things. I've just been so busy with work. Every time I come home, I'm just dead and have no energy to do anything, and I hate it. And that's why I'm forcing myself to do creative stuff. I'm like for I'm going on creative walks, at, at, even if it's like at 1 a.m. Just get my head going again. Then I come back and I just write some stuff down, whatever. Oh yeah, that's right. I need to write scripts. <laughs> I haven't I also, done that in a while. Stranger Things. I had so many thoughts. I can discuss with you off air because I have a lot of thoughts I want to talk to you about. Um, that's good. Good shows. Good TV is is fun. Yes, it is. Woo! Also, since the last recorded, we last recorded May thirtieth, so it's been about two weeks. Um, it could- that way, huh? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. correct. Last record, May 30th, Josh. It's been two weeks. That's so weird. My brain has just been in work mode this whole time, and I'm just like, nothing makes sense anymore. You, you thought it's been a few days pretty much? It's like, oh, you just I thought it's been maybe like a week or so. <laughs> nope. It's been seven, uh, 18 days now, I guess. 17 days. But anyway, it'll be consistent episodes. So every week or two, probably closer to two weeks, we'll have a new episode out. Woo! Um, Whoa. And Josh, you've been working a lot, you said. I have, like, two or three job interviews this week, so we'll see what happens there. Nice. I just had a job interview and sort of callback thing where I gotta do a thing, and if I do it cor- right, then I'll get the job. Since we're talking about films that we made this episode, I'm also gonna bring up the fact that I have another script written, um, a first draft. I'm writing two more drafts this next week, and I already have a producer, a cinematographer, a script supervisor, and an AD. Very, very nice. You wanna be on another set, Josh? If I can find the time, sure. It'll be one day. Ah. Uh, news happened. It did? More things kept going while you were at work. Ah, weird. <laughs> I know. Some movies got released, like Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, and this weekend we got Lightyear. I've seen all of them. Fun. <laughs> I've seen none of them yet. I'm seeing uh, Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion this week, though. I'm going to watch Top Gun 1 first, I'm going to watch Jurassic World 2 first. Because I see Jurassic World 1 I can, already. I can already tell you, one of them is a good film, and one of them is Jurassic World. I've seen everyone's reviews for both already. Fascinating. Just fascinating. And Lightyear it's, seems fun. Lightyear, I saw that last night, it is a lot of fun. It's not like, you know, what Pixar's greatest movies of all time, but I really enjoyed it. Also, soon we're getting more movies, Josh. We like are in the next week. We're getting Marcel the Shell. Mar- in the next week, we're getting Marcel <laughs> the Shell with shoes on. What a tongue cool. twister! Yeah, and we're getting the Black Phone as well, the Ethan Hawke horror movie. Ooh, uh, I'm really excited for Marcel the Shell with shoes on. What a title to say ten times fast! Um, it's it seems like such an interesting movie for A24 to release, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Well, have you ever watched the YouTube series? I have not. I learned about it. it was a YouTube series after the trailer released. Oh, I, it's like 2005 YouTube, like we're beginning of YouTube stuff. So much oh. fun. Boo or woo to the, to movie releases. To Top Gun 2. Before you had saw it, what was your thought? Boo or woo? That was a definite woo. Even even before, I was just like, that looks cool. I'm going woo in the theater. Before you saw Jurassic World Dominion, did you expect to have boos or woos? Given the track record of one good film out of a whole series that spans over 30 years, um, I'm going with a boo on that one. Lightyear, before you saw it, did you expect to see a boo or woo? I, I suspected a woo. Was it a woo? 
It was. Woo! That's not much enthusiasm, though. Woo! That's better. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I keep saying the title. Boo or woo, Josh? I'll give it a woo. It looks charming. And the black phone. Oh, this is always so tough for me when it comes to horror movies. Um, I'm going to give it a, a huge woo. It looks really fun. I'm going to give it a woo just because of Scott Derrickson, especially after rewatching um, Doctor Strange. I think all of those, I'll give at least a mini woo to all of those. <laughs> Not like a Comic-Con level woo, but like, a, you know, someone's performing some fun music outside the street and you like they toss a few coins and bucks and stuff. Like, you know, uh, woo! Good job! Drop <laughs> that level of woo. Nice. <laughs> the music doesn't suck level of woo. <laughs> you know, fun things. And on to more news. The Something we didn't talk about last time that we should have talked about because it came out, the news of this happened right before we recorded, so we didn't talk about it, which is dumb. But we had a trailer from Multiverses. <laughs> the game looks really it's a it's a Warner Brothers game as we talked about before in the past episodes like when Bueller was on um it's the point of the game is it's a Smash Bros style video game and it will be completely free to play which is awesome and it'll be characters like Arya Stark Shaggy Roger from Scooby Doo Batman and, and uh Superman and Ted Lasso Ted, yeah that's what it gets to he's one of the leaked DLCs um <laughs> as well as Godzilla the leaked DLC I'm just happy Warner Brothers knows how insane this idea is and is just running full speed with it, and they're not slowing down. I'm glad they're doing that. Give us Tony Soprano. <laughs> I thought that he was already confirmed. It was never confirmed. It was a rumor at the time. Oh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's confirmed. At least they're giving it a T rating, so that way, like, kids don't immediately be like, oh, this is a fun game with Superman and Bugs Bunny. So, yay or nay on Multiverse's trailer? I'll give it a yay. They confirmed what's what's that version of Shaggy called? Ultra um, Instinct. Yes, Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Totally they confirmed that, so I'm I'm fine with that. It's just Super Saiyan Shaggy from like Dragon Ball, but yeah, it looks fun. I think we've always consistently given this game a yay on all news about it so far. I'm sticking to that. I like Smash Bros. And I like these characters. It seems kind of fun. On to a bit more somber news, Josh. Oh no, this news actually comes from CNN, but it's about something you would enjoy because it's CNN. Oh account. no. Ted oh, no. Lasso is officially uh, uh, going to end after three seasons, the writers say. There's the part of me that is happy that the creators know how long they want the show to go on for. And then there's the fan of me that wants 20 more seasons of it because it's just so gosh darn delightful. Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent in the show, is <laughs> he's also like one of the main writers in the show. Uh -huh. um, he confirmed by saying when he asked about the three season rumor, he said, yeah, we are writing it like that. It was Planet of Three. Spoiler alert, everyone dies. That part was a joke. But, like, unless everyone does die, that'd be horrific. I would be so confused. Um, Telasso should never die. He's amazing. So, n nay to this, because it's sad. I, I, yeah. I think it... I'm glad it has a limited run. I think four or five seasons could have worked. Yeah. I also think that it could have ended after one season. It's still been charming. So, any and all Ted Lasso is good to me. I know you've seen the first season. Have you seen the second season yet? I've seen most of season two. Okay, where'd you leave off? I'm curious. The one before the beard episode. Oh, so like the big the big game episode? Yeah. Oh man, it's the beard episode is different, but I I like it. But man, that that episode before the beard, oh, that broke me. I didn't care. It's like, I think it's my least favorite so far, actually. 
Oh, that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> I guess, small spoiler alert for that episode beforehand. The reason why is I don't like the idea of Rebecca and Sam together. You see, I'm it's growing really on creepy. it. It's really creepy to me. He's, he's 21, she's in her 40s or 50s. That's inherently creepy to me, no matter what. That's not okay. With how it plays out in the season, I think it's interesting. And that's all I'm going to say on it. That's just where I am right now. We'll see what happens. Spoiler for Ted Lasso's over. Don't worry, guys. I, there's timestamps down below. There always are. You could always... Or like on Spotify, there's like the hit next button, and I'll skip forward 15 seconds. You could just keep doing that. You can skip past all of us. Just give us the watch time, the listen time. <laughs> but nay on the three season, it's ending. Or yay. I just said some fun. Nay. nay. I, want, I, I, want I, want I want more Ted. Yeah. So, on to hilarious news. Oh, goody. We all got morbed. So, <laughs> it was Morbin time. It's no longer Morbin time. Morbius, the living vampire, the film, released in theaters again. And bombed in theaters again. <laughs> I worked that opening weekend again, and it was hilarious to see it show up and have no one there for, like, the Friday night. Then, like, the Saturday, I think we had, like, 15 people, but you could tell that they were all there to laugh at it. So, on the, the Friday night showing of Morbius on the re-release, it averaged $85 a theater. Which is hilarious. That's so bad. They went they, so much money. Because <laughs> not only do you have to pay the theaters to show the movie, you also have to put in the money for marketing for the movie again. What's and the, like, It was already God. made seven times in the first place. So they already lost money before it anyway. Oh my God. They didn't understand the memes online were shit posts, <laughs> and they thought it was like encouraging. Like, we're laughing no. with it. No, we're laughing at it, actually. <laughs> Which is so... F my favorite one of those was um, that came out after the re-release when it bombed. They were like, no, no, guys, we were all busy this weekend. You gotta release it again next weekend. <laughs> anyway. But, if, but if there's a good thing that comes from this. We will most likely not get a Morbius sequel after this. Watch Morbius be in uh, the Sinister Six movie still. Oh, dear God. Or in Venom I don't 3. I don't want either of those things to happen. I want Venom 3 to happen. I don't want Morbius to show up in either of them. So yeah, you're nay on it on the re-release as a news piece. I'll give it a yay because it's hilarious. Uh, yay because they're wasting money on a vampire boy. <laughs> a bad vampire boy at that. <laughs> These are so bad at being a vampire. And yay because it means Matt Smith was in theaters again. Uh, poor Matt Smith. <laughs> I love that. I looked at the lyrics of that song that he's when he's dancing in it. It's so funny. It's like and poop your pants when the lines. I'm. S was that what he was actually dancing to on set, or was that like just a joke that the editor was just like, "This is a bad movie. I'm gonna throw this in here. Why not? And see what Usually happens." On set, when you have someone dancing a song, you have, you have a tempo and a metronome going, so they know the beats to dance to, and ah. they find a song that matches that and post that they can get rights to. Makes sense. But anyway, moving on to other superhero news, Josh. Guardians Three is a movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. It is. We got two new confirmed casting. Uh, from Deadline and Variety, we learned that Daniela Melchior, who was just working with James Gunn on The Suicide Squad, she played Ratcatcher 2, is now an undisclosed role in Guardians 3. Love it. I am, I'm very curious to see um, what that'll be like. Love it. She was fantastic in, in The Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. And Maria Bakalova is also in Guardians 3 now. That's right. I'm so excited. She's fantastic in Bora, too. Oh, okay. I have not seen her anything yet. 
just watch just watch Borat too. She's hilarious in that. She's so good. All right, but cool on this overall. Yay! I I've never had a problem with any of Gunn's casting. So yay! I, it's it's so funny to think back like when Guardians was was first announced. I was just like, I know Zoe Saldana from Avatar. I don't know who the rest of these people are except for Vin Diesel, who's playing a tree that says three words. What is this movie gonna be? And like now, I have full faith in him. Now, Deadline also reported that Nev Campbell is not coming back for Scream 6. It's screaming time. <laughs> you see, this is weird news, because I feel like Scream 5 was, like, the right place to end it for her character to be there. Same as, like, Courtney Cox and David Arquette. Like, it feels weird that they would come back for a sequel. For, like, another one after this one. See, I don't think, I think Scream works best when it is about her character. But, like, Six films, six times that this has happened to her. At this point, it kind of becomes hilarious, and not in a good way. Evil dies tonight, Josh. Okay, like, that's a whole different thing right there. Fucking the basketball guy from Stranger Things. The exact same vibes as it's Evil Dies same. Tonight. It's the same that is, that is, like, my one complaint of the season is that guy. But now that you showed me, but now that you made me think of that, I'm like, no, nah, that just makes it way better. It's hilarious. Hawkins and, and turning Hawkins into the same town from Michael Myers Halloween. Except there's no one this time for them to actually chase. Right. <laughs> also, I guess the very vague spoilers for Stranger Things, you can skip ahead like 15 seconds or whatever. Okay. He never said what he saw on the boat. To, no. To Town Hall. He said, there's satanic stuff happening. Everyone, get behind me and go march with me. What? I <laughs> Ah uh, yes, uh, us, us adults follow this seventeen-year-old <laughs> into the, into the march into the unknown. <laughs> anyway, Nev Campbell coming back for Scream Six. I'm giving a nay solely because it's her franchise. If you're gonna keep doing the Scream stuff, I think tying it in her character is important. Or I mean, it's I'm weird in this spot because like I feel like that it could have ended with Scream Five. Oh, I think it should like, as well. But, like, I don't hate the idea of possibly exploring different ideas of things to satirize, but, like, it's, I'm in a weird place. I'm going to give it an indifferent nay. That's where I'm going to go on this. Pick a specific reason to nitpick in this, in this news piece, and then give it a yay or nay less than that. Um, um. Well, the fact that there are six screams, give that a yay or nay. I'll, g I'll give that a nay. Look, man. You flip-flop and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't matter. Black Adam! You know, oh, yeah. the, the hierarchy of power is about to change. Oh, dear God. So the Black Adam trailer came out. Um, I like everything in it besides Black Adam. I was so underwhelmed while watching it. I was just like, ah, so this is what people say when they're feeling fatigue from this kind of stuff. This is the prime example of, of that kind of stuff. To me, it's just like, it's there. That's about all my thoughts are on it. Well, I think that, you know, the guy. Dwayne Johnson? No. Bond. Uh, uh, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. I love that he's playing Kent Nelson. It makes me happy. I've got no problem. Like, the cast of the film, like, for the most part, Cent I don't have a problem with. Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher? I will get. I will say this here now. I will give him the benefit of the doubt, and I want to see him do good. And you know, if he does bad, I never promise his performance will be good. I just I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Sure. I, I love... Hawkman, I love... He was great in Invisible Man. Yeah, that's a good casting choice. So, I, and I love 
Ted Nelson slash Dr. Fate. Such a great character. I'm very curious to see how that goes. Like, I love the Justice Society angle. But, but then, this movie, I don't care about. It's the biggest problem for me, which was my biggest fear of it, was that just like Dwayne Johnson's all of his other movies, he's not playing an actual bad guy. He's playing an anti-hero. Which, if Shazam... That, I, that wasn't words. <laughs> if Shazam... If Shazam 3 wasn't going to be a film of him versus Black Adam, then I wouldn't have as big of a problem with this. But since, you know, it's going to be a problem now because he's not an actual villain, so why would he fight another hero? That doesn't make any sense. I'm giving this an A for the same reason I gave the costume reveal an A. He doesn't have the pointy ears. He doesn't have the weird widow's peak hair. That's why. <laughs> Give him the hair and the ears, then we're all square. Okay, DC? <laughs> I will give him uh, I will I'll give it a nay because I'm going to be hearing the hierarchy of powers about to change forever <laughs> for the next several months and I can't take it already. Like the Morbius trailer. Moving on, the extended cut of No Way Home coming to theater soon. Oh yeah, it's called the way more No Way Home, the way more fun version. I hope this isn't another Endgame re-release. Sorry, the way Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff version. It is a long title of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine words. I words on a billboard. I hope it's actually like a lot or a decent amount of additional stuff added in because like the Far From Home re-release had like one or two additional things added and that was it and it added maybe like thirty seconds of screen time. And I hope that this is actually adds a significant amount. I don't know what it could be, but like I I'll go see it in the theaters again. And then there's the Endgame release, which is Unfinished Hulk. Yeah, I saw that in theaters. That was like the last time I saw it in theaters. I was just like, oh, so they weren't kidding. This is the only thing that they added. Um, I'm giving it a nay. Not because I don't want to see this film. But solely because the name is too long. <laughs> That's I'll why. Give it, I'll give it a yay because I like long titles. We are. You betrayed me. You are now my enemy. When when we had everything everywhere all at once again, um, I had some people come up to ask for tickets. They had absolutely no idea what the movie was called. They're like every place where thing. I don't know whatever that movie's called. For the first time in almost a year, Josh, full circle moment in our, our first few episodes, we talked a lot about J.J. Abrams and a lot about Knives Out Two. We are back with Knives Out Two news now. Abrams, give us some news to talk about again. Knives Out 2 had a lot of news, like a lot of casting and stuff. Now we have a title. The Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. I'm fine with this. It doesn't bother me. You know, it's got, it's got layers. Onions have layers. And if you feel like layers, because it's made of glass, it might all shatter. What a cool metaphor, Josh! <laughs> I'm very excited for this. I really hope Netflix, you know, listens to everyone and releases it in theaters. So, but because we had a rule beforehand about Knives Out 2 news, that whenever, like a year ago, whenever it came up, we always had to get it an A. Remember why, Josh? Because of Netflix? Yeah, because it doesn't go into theaters. That rule still applies. We have an automatic nay in place for all Knives Out 2 news, even if we're happy with the news, because it's not going to theaters. So Yeah, I'll give it an A. <laughs> but Glass Onion's a very fun title. Yes. And we get to see more Benoit Blanc, KFC, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Ready for very odd news? Sure. So a movie that you talked about once on a show called From the Cinema. 
was called The Yoker. Crime Stopping Man. <laughs> and now we're getting The Yoker 2. Crime Stops, not for him. That's not what it's called. Uh, it's just called Joker 2. I don't, I don't speak French at all. It's got a French part of the name. So, There's a translation to it. I just don't know what it is. So, the official statement from The Hollywood Reporter is that Lady Gaga is in early talks to opposite Joaquin Phoenix as Harley Quinn. The rumor, this is also not confirmed, but the rumor is that it's going to be a musical. Dear God, I hope this is true. Because, like, to go so far in a direction not a single person expected is such a insane decision, but one I desperately want to see just because it will make all the dude bros mad. Now, I guess slight spoilers for Joker 1, but where, he, where the movie ended, he was in, like, a mental health ward, like an asylum kind of place. So, what this could be is Lady Gaga is, if she's Harley, is the helper there, and they just do the story of Mad Love, which is when they fall in love, but as a musical. That'd be fun. I mean, his mind has already deteriorated so much. Like, this it, this wouldn't be a stretch. No, it'd be so much fun, I think. And the, I think the only issue they would run into is how do they keep the tone in line with the first film? Don't. Just, Just don't. Make it a fun musical? Yes. Oh, boy, that's a risk. Do a complete 180. Make it a jukebox musical. Oh, my God. God, she has to sing some of her own songs and have him sing some Johnny Cash songs because he was in uh, Ring of Fire. I'm so curious if he actually did his own singing or if that was like do not care. Make him sing. <laughs> I want to see. I want Joaquin's reaction to this. He's just like, I'm doing a what in the Joker sequel with whom? So, Joker has sung before in numerous mediums. He sung in the Killing Joke comic and in the movie. He has sung in um. Uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, you referred to one during the, like, the credits part. Uh, Arkham... It's actually Arkham Knight, there's a moment Arkham with Knight. it. Yeah, it was also one in one of the credits where it sings the whole time, I think, too. But it's... He's he's known to enjoy some tunes. <laughs> <laughs> he's known to enjoy a tune or two. Yeah, he likes the melodies. So, he can sing also really creepy or really fun and bombastic, and he's done both. That's fun. I'm giving this a hard yay, I like nonsensical musical fun. <laughs> and give I'm it to Joker. <laughs> I'm giving it a yay because it's going to piss all the dude bros off. No one's going to know how to react to the movie. It's going to be pure chaos. I can't wait. But Todd Phillips, if you come out and say it's not going to be a musical, I'm going to be so mad. I mean, it's fine either way. It's just funny one way. It's just, you. no one would ever expect this. And I want more superhero movies to do that. Well, I have more superhero news, Josh. You do? Dustin Lin, he, after leaving Fast X, is now going to uh, make the live-action version of famous anime One Punch Man. You've seen the first episode of One Punch Man. That is a insane movie. I mean, not insane movie. An insane show from the one episode, but I would be very curious to see what he could do with it. Don't whitewash it, please. Uh, I have seen most of the first season, I think. I think I've got an episode or two left. It's very fun. I love it. It's so good. Every episode is fantastic. I just stopped because I got busy. I'm going to go ahead and finish it eventually. Very fun. Uh, this is, he does action really well, right? From Fast Franchise? Oh, he's he's fantastic at directing action. Uh, he's 
he's the director that changed Fast and Furious from being, you know, just drift, just driving cars down the street to actually being what it's known for today. He does action very well. I mean, James Wan also did a good job with that stuff. In- oh no, I'm not. I'm saying, I'm saying Justin Lin was the one that started it, and then you know, um, James Wan built on it, F. Gary Gray built on it, and then Justin Lin came back for F. Nine right. and and continued building on it. So, okay, can he do comedy well? I think that the um, the Fast Furious films are funny, both intentionally and not intentionally. But that's just more a script kind of thing. I think that he can uh, make funny moments happen very Could consistently. You take seriously, the idea of a half giant crab man, half Heidi Whitey's baby legs. I don't think he would have taken the job if he could if he awesome. wouldn't accept the insanity of it. Uh, this is a yeah, it seems fun. I the, the fact that we're getting a live action One Punch Man is just fun in general. I'm gonna give it a yay, but I'm also but I'm gonna be worried because a lot of live action anime adaptations have not been the best give from what I've heard. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm very much but, kidding. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say a no to that one, Me Chief. Too? But I do have Avatar news coming soon. Don't worry. Yeah, Josh. Guess what? What? I'm gonna give you some some sad uh, superhero news. Oh, great! And by sad, I mean really happy. Spider Verse uh- castings. How dare you lie to me? You like Into the Spider-Verse, right? I'm a fan. Ready for the sequels? Yes. We've gotten the casting now for three characters. The Vulture, Captain George Stacy, as well as the uh, the Spot. We got... Spot. What? You think that's funny? You think that's funny, Mister? I don't know. We'll uh, find out. We'll find out. The Spot is going to be apparently the main villain in this movie. And he'll be played by Jason Schwartzman. Okay, that's an, that's an instant Yes. Uh, if you don't know who that is, I watch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's fantastic. You can hear it in his voice in that movie, in his live-action performance, quite a bit of range already. Uh, the Spot is a character whose entire body is made up of interdimensional portals. Okay, I know who this is. Basically, he's a fully white form, like t- with and then with a bunch of little holes, and you punch the hole, and he'll, your arm will go out a different direction in his body. And he can throw spots as well, like how Polka Dot Man throws his polka dots. Cool? Cool. Yay on that casting? Sure. So then we got two other castings, like I said. We got we got George Stacy. Uh played by Jorma Tacone as a vulture and Shea Wingham as George Stacy. I don't know who either of those people are. Uh, but Jor- Jorma is part of the Lonely Island. Oh my god. As the vulture? Hell yes. Um, and then who's the other who's the other guy? Shea Wingham. Oh, he's been in so many things. He's Console Island Joker. He's he's done a lot. I will probably recognize his face. Oh yeah, he's yeah. great. Cool. Uh, I'm happy with this. All the casting. I also trusted the casting for the first film, so why I doubt the casting for the second one? Yay on Spider Verse stuff. Yay. Now, Josh, we getting we, we getting some Avatar stuff. Avatar news I have, Josh. Is really, really cool. Want to know what it is? Sure. Three new Avatar The Last Airbender animated films are in the works right now at Avatar Studios. Is this part of the one that they already announced like a couple months ago or however long ago that was? We do not know fully. We just know that there are three animated Avatar films in the works, officially. I, I hope that at least one of them is a core movie. One, I think, the rumor the rumor is right now we have one Kyoshi movie coming. Ooh. And I'm fine with any of that. I'm fine with this carrying more from Brian Konietzko and Michael DiMartino in their in their wonderful world of Avatar. Yep. Cool. Yay. 
Lastly, Yay. Josh, we got our first look at Ryan Gosling playing Ken in Barbie. I am so happy with it. He this has, move, this oh, movie, man. He has like the, the orange spray tan. It's fantastic. He looks like a Ken doll. That six pack on there. The he, open he's got, denim vest jacket. He's made the return of his bleach blonde hair from his early nineties era. Also, all the denim he's wearing is like acid wash, bright, like light blue. The seem to have a small reference to Back to the Future, with where they called Marty Calvin Calvin Klein because his underwear name, and uh, the branding <laughs> his branding on his underwear in this is Ken, like and his name is Ken. So that's fun. We also have two more Ken with Kuti Gatwa and with um, Simu Liu. So that's pretty cool. I can't wait. I, I'm so excited for this. We were both very excited, and we are both adult men. <laughs> that's it's going to be great. That's our news. Crazy. Overall, it's not been a bad news time. Rudy, the badass yeah. motherfucker. That is, that is me. Guess what we did this year? I don't know. I don't know either. I've, I've kind of seen I'm vibing. Ah, well, this is a problem. <laughs> anyway, podcast over. No, uh, we made films. We made numerous films, but we're going to, and one of them for me releases publicly, publicly by the time that this goes out. So. Look up on YouTube, co-op, co-space-op, 2022 short film, and you can find one of my films I made this year. That's pretty cool. It releases tomorrow as we're recording this, but it'll already be out then. Yeah. Then we made senior films, which is what we're going to talk about here. The experience of writing it and coming up with the ideas and like pre-production and post-production, as well as the actual process of being on set, etc. The challenge is one faces... The death we found in the woods. No, I'm kidding. Ah, uh, yes. We found many a body. So many. It is fields of them in Josh's prom film. <laughs> <laughs> Where I played a high schooler. Yeah. Take that, Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> I also can play high schoolers still. We made some films. <laughs> yes. So, Josh, run us through Just Breathe. We are now college graduates who both graduated from uh, film school with a degree in film and video studies with a concentration in directing. And out of that, we got films. We got actual finished short films. Yeah. So Josh, break down Just Breathe, your film. Talk about it. Okay, so the I, the story is two high schoolers that like each other want to ask each other to prom, but they because of their anxieties and fears, they don't know how to. So they seek the help of their imaginary friends to figure out how to say uh, what they want to say to each other. And their imaginary friends are kind of like the personification of their thoughts and feelings and anxieties and stuff like that. The idea originally did not start out as a romantic comedy. When I was starting to come up with the ideas, it started out as much more of a realistic drama. The imaginary friends weren't a part of it, and it was just about the two of them, uh, but because of their anxieties and fears, they weren't ever able to say to each other how they felt. And then I realized everyone else is going to be making either a depressing drama or just an out-there experimental film. I just want, I want to be nice and like have, show people a good time and have a good laugh. So I took and... <laughs> show people a good time! <laughs> Yeah. So I so I looked at a old script I wrote for a playwriting class that had a similar idea, but that had the imaginary friends aspect to it. I took beats from that, and I started writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting it. Eventually, by the end of the semester, I had a what I thought was going to be the finished script. And oh, then last semester, not this semester. Correct, of last semester. Then this semester started, got a producer, and started looking for a crew and everything. Once I secured my producer, we started looking for locations for the high school. The problem with this is that high schools are surprisingly expensive. 
And so it was going to cost us at least $700 for two days. And we also need to have insurance that could cover up to a million dollars. A million dollars. He's like, ah, I have five bucks and a penny. <laughs> I, I literally emailed back the superintendent and said, I'm sorry. This is just not at all within our budget. We are a student film. I was thinking that he, you know, would take pity on us and like, would give us some kind of discount. No, he said, okay, I'm sorry to hear that. And that was the end of that. So then with like, that, get it, cause it's a school. But, but also, yeah, it's and so from that, we couldn't find any high school that was any cheaper. So I had to start rewriting it and figuring out how do I tell the same story, but not send it in a high school. And thankfully, I was able to come up with an idea of being in this kind of mindscape of their heads of them and the imaginary friend, because that was also something I was having a lot of trouble with was figuring out how do I show them talking to their imaginary friends, but they're still in the real world. But before we get to that, let's talk about a bit um the actual development process, because we did this for class for our senior film class. And so, like, we got to pitch out just random ideas to the room first and see what people gravitate towards. Josh, what were the two ideas you pitched out to the room? So I pitched out uh, this film, and then the other one I pitched out was a zombie apocalypse film about kids during the zombie apocalypse trying to make a movie. Yes, for my TV writing class this uh, semester, I changed it up, took the base idea of that, and have stretched no spoilers, it out. In no spoilers, obviously. <laughs> but I think the way that I've changed it and adapted it, I think, can make for an interesting show. Nice. And so... We did that. We pitched the room these general ideas, see if people liked or didn't like. And if we wanted to change that again, we could, but it can make things harder to keep changing our ideas. And then we had to give, write a script, get feedback on it, give feedback to other people, take notes, write in our draft, process, repeat that again, like three times pretty much. And then we had to make a lookbook, which is like a pitch deck kind of thing of references to different imagery and vibes and setting and location and people to give a good scope of what our film will feel like. And then we also had to make a digital pitch video to submit to a panel of judges. And then we'll maybe get a pitch to some judges to get a grant for our film. And that's pretty much how the, the first semester ended. Right, Josh? Yep. Yeah? Indeed. Is there anything in your first draft you wish you could have done? Oh, God. There, <laughs> there was a joke uh, in there. <laughs> I, I, I love this joke. So back before the Imaginary Friends... Uh, were only in the mindscape, as I like to call it, they would appear in the real world. And so, like, one of them could, like, pop out of a locker or something like, like that. It's like big mouth, but not as dirty. Um, <laughs> and so, it's a little dirty, not as dirty. <laughs> yeah. But, like, this, the script was like he was arguing with his imaginary friend, Andrew. And then he went away once he saw Sarah, the girl that he likes. And so then he started, like, freaking out. She's like, oh no, she's coming to me. I can't, I can't talk to her. What do I do? What do I do? And, like, because he's an idiot, he's just like, uh, uh, and then smacks his head against his locker and, like, falls down to the ground. It's, it's broad humor, but every time I read, I'm like, God, that's funny. I would have loved to do that. What's funny is it would have been me acting at doing that to my head. <laughs> Eventually, as I was rewriting it, I was just like, okay, the practicality of it and the safety of it, I don't really know how it could go, and I don't want, you know, my actor to slam their head against the locker many times. Like, I know how to do it safely as a stunt, so it would be technically considered a stunt, but it would require material I didn't have with me at the time to do. Yeah. So, that's not worth doing. It also requires minor visual effects work. Yeah. But if I had the chance to do it in another project, I will definitely do it. Nice. I will hit my head against any wall for you, Josh. <laughs> True bromance. <laughs> so script-wise, development-wise, you're pretty much happy with how it came together? 
Yeah, I I honestly think the limitations of not having this school ended up making it a lot better because the school I was constantly trying to figure out, okay, how do I make it seem like it's full without having a whole bunch of extras because the Omicron variant was rampant and so I couldn't I didn't want to do like, you know, a whole bunch of extras and stuff. And so that was causing problems. But having the these limitations for at least this script, I was and working with my brilliant DP, um, LJ Garcia. We were able to figure out the idea of the mindscape, and it saved the film. Was there anything from your last film that you took into this one, or did that, it take? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Tickets, please. Which I was also so I was in both of Josh's films this year, not because I was supposed to be. <laughs> it it wasn't. They were both last minute things, but they were last minute decisions that worked out perfectly. Josh and I are both filmmakers, but we're also both actors, so we both mm -hmm. act and also sometimes their own stuff or sometimes other people's stuff. And it's really fun to do that. Yeah, but I would say what I learned from the last film is, oh God, what would, what would I say? I guess shoot, cinematography wise, really planning it out ahead of time and figuring out exactly what it could look like. Because with Tickets, Please, it was more of a mockumentary style, but not everything was as super planned out as I would have liked to be. Plus, I was also in front of the camera for that film many times, so I couldn't always uh, tell, like, you know, how the framing was. Thankfully, our amazing AD and producer, Kate Kincaid, was great behind the camera and uh, made sure the shots were as good as they could possibly be. I was very happy with that. But I think that if I hadn't acted in it, I think that it could have become stronger. So, when Just Breathe came along, and I was behind the camera the whole time, it went way smoother from that of just knowing and playing it out way more than we did on the last one i love that josh played three parts in tickets please but it was never addressed it was never addressed and it wasn't really supposed to happen that way but i think it's funny yeah it, the, the cop bit is very funny because of that actually the cut back and forth and it's just different people fantastic it's great uh tickets please is dumb in the best way possible i don't mean dumb like it's bad i mean dumb and it's it's broad funny I, stupid humor i purposefully made it dumb that's the thing as i like to say i wrote it so i could get the stupid out of my system before my senior film because at the time i wasn't planning on doing a comedy for my senior film so i was just like okay we'll get the stupid out of my system for this so that way i can focus on more serious stuff but Just Breathe is a romantic comedy with some serious elements in it. But I think getting the really broad stuff out of my system worked to the betterment of the next film. So, Josh, why the title Just Breathe? Because you gotta breathe, man. You don't breathe, you die. That's not why the title is called that. <laughs> Uh, it's a phrase that's often said throughout the film of the imaginary friends because the main characters have anxiety of, you know, asking each other to prom. They're thinking like, oh, I'm going to die if I say this. The world's going to implode. The imaginary friends are like, okay, just breathe. Calm down. You're all good. You're not going to die. And that's kind of like the motto throughout the whole film that, like, even though it's scary, you could still do this and you're not going to die. Yet. Yet. <laughs> a lesson I still have yet to learn in the real world, even though I wrote and directed the film. <laughs> Good job, Josh. Thank you. So, production. Talk about talk about that and being on set and directing actors and all that kind of stuff for you. So, after Tickets, Please, I felt a lot more comfortable with being on set as director and working with my actors. Because on Tickets, Please, on the first day, uh, my our AD and producer turned to me and said, So, uh, what do we do? And I was just like, oh, that's right. I have to make the decisions here. Oh, no. And so it was just a learning process throughout that. But once you got to Just Breathe, I was just like, okay, I know what I need. I know what I need for my actors. I know the framing. It's all going to be good. And especially talking with my actors, because you and everyone else were just 
fantastic and were very easy to work with and knew what I needed. It made the process a whole lot easier for that. Yay. We still didn't have locations to for a high school, but there's a building on campus that had lockers that eerily looked like a high school. Eerily? So we filmed. <laughs> yes. So creepy. It's, it's creepy. <laughs> um, so we we filmed there and we got all the scenes done in like what? What was it like two, three hours, something like that? Uh, very fast for that. And it worked out great. The only problem was is that there was an open vent that because there was a leaking happening that we didn't know about because it was only like one drop thing became way more very fast. And then for the Mindscape section, that was a location we got literally the day before, and it worked out fantastically. It was kind of like this sort of game virtual um, reality kind of lab thing that we have at school, and there's just this big section that's uh, full of empty space. And so we just used that, and all we did was have the actors stand in like two general same kind of areas, and then move the lights around, and then move the camera um around to th like three different positions and it was just a rinse repeat process throughout that because i figured simpler was better because we were killing ourselves over figuring out how to film that section the day before i was just like okay let's just go simple this angle this angle and this angle we do it for most of it and that'll be it that'll work and it worked so well you also didn't touch on yet how it was snowing outside the whole time Oh, yes, it was snowing. I was very worried about that. I woke up, I saw snow, I was just like, oh no, what? a couple of our people don't live near here. Yeah. This is a problem. The crew and cast were not from, like, living on campus, so it could have been really bad for your film, but it worked out fine. It did, thankfully. The room that we shot most film in for your film, it was a green screen room. Like, the whole walls were painted green screen, coma key green. So that was really cool. Like, it's like if you wanted to have the option, you could have used that as well. So you got to have like a lot of uh, freedom with your filming, and that was really good for you. Again, that was another case of the limitations just benefiting us. With and we also filmed it all in a day. Usually, these kinds of films are done over two, maybe three days. But we pushed, we powered through, and we got it done in a day. It was, it was like thirteen or fourteen it hours, was which was and a half hours. So it was, it was two full work days, but put in one. Yeah, and. And I think, again, that was a good thing because we had the people that lived out of town. We didn't know how the snow and ice was going to be for the, like, the next day. And so to minimize you know, the risk, we powered through and got it all done in a day. And it just it came out so good. It I'm so proud of it. was the weekend uh, starting spring break. That so too. That was another reason. <laughs> making people get out earlier was better, for sure. Yes. Like, yes, it was, it was two full days of work, two eight-hour days almost of work. But who cares? We had a good time. Yes, we had a, we had a fun time. We had pizza twice <laughs> yes because we planned for one meal we did not plan for a second but we saw in the schedule as we were filming we're just like we're almost done for the day and we've only been filming for like five hours let's just let's see if we can do it all and it worked yeah are you happy with how the premiere went for you i'm very i'm very happy with the premiere because sitting in a theater full of people it's just like oh god how are they going to react? And it's also a comedy, so it's just like, if they don't laugh, I'm screwed. Thankfully, they laughed, and I'm very happy with that. And I had people come up to me after and during. It was just like, I felt that, man. That was that was me during high school. I was just like, okay, good. I did something right. Thank goodness. Yeah, so our school had a, has a film festival every semester, or now every year. And it's basically just a three- or four-day event of a bunch of films. We have, like, Q&A with the directors, etc. And it's a really, really cool experience. And we get to see... We get to see our own work, our own films, on the big screen in a movie theater with a bunch of like, full people. And the senior film section had every single seat full and double the amount of people waiting outside trying to get in. Having a completely full theater trying to watch your work feels really interesting and really cool. And are you going to submit to any festivals, Josh, or have you yet? 
I need to. I've just been so busy, but I want I want to be submitting it. Yeah, we've already missed a lot of deadlines. I'm aware of this. Uh, I did stuff too, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I did. I made a film. It's fine. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Do you like it, Josh? What, no endings? Yeah. Yes. And I'm not saying that just because I worked on it. <laughs> or just because it's me. <laughs> Correct. But yeah, we both worked on... Well, yeah, it's squeaky things. Josh and I also both worked on each other's films. And I literally love working with Rudy here because he's fantastic. He was the gaffer, the lead gaffer on my last two films. And I'm so glad. He did such a great job. If you don't know what gaffing is, it's basically working with the lights and helping it get to what the DP or director of photography slash cinematographer needs it to look like and he's i made i made a fire where there was no fire are you proud of yourself yes i was so worried every time you showed me like the not finished non-colored version i was just like oh god i, I don't see a fire oh i messed up bad and then i see the version that's color i'm like okay there's a fire there okay that's good i did good Wait, like a lantern light and i think it comes across pretty well yes and it like it was the crackling of the light that was what i was worried about yeah uh we tried doing a fire kind of thing outside once before did not work because we, we didn't know what to do, and so it just looked like my hand was waving in front of the light. It was a complete pattern of it, too, which was really <laughs> funny. Of do, 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 do. What's funny for me, though, is I didn't pitch to the class the film I made. That is correct. You pitched two very different films. That I like both the other ideas a lot, too. And it might happen They're at good. some point. It was just that I don't know if I can... I My head wasn't in it, and that's very important. You need to be passionate about what you're making. Mm -hmm. otherwise it will turn out like shit like I, excuse my language I guess but like we curse on the show a lot anyway Josh you've not yes. cursed today yet 
I haven't? No. Oh, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you're about, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so congrats on that part, Josh. So I've worked with Josh as my gaffer twice. He did a great job because we also had limited lighting on my current film, which I'll get into later. But I wrote a... I wrote with someone else in this script, I'll get into that soon, a short thriller kind of film. It's called No Endings, and it's not going to be public for a while, for a few months, because we have... I'm going to send it to a lot of festivals first, and I'm going to use this film as a proof-of-concept short film to then go alongside a feature film script and say, hey, here's kind of some of the vibes I'm going for with and some of the elements. I have a much better and longer and feature-length version of this kind of same story, and I'm going to use it to pitch to investors and say, hey... I'll make you a good film. That's the general idea of how the a proof concepts work. Is it's a it's a proof that the concept can work. <laughs> I plan on making a lot of feature films and a lot of shows. That's my that's what I want to do. And so I make things with the idea of can I sell this? <laughs> <laughs> like our last film, Co-op, beforehand, like I, that's now unavailable, had an idea in my head of can I sell this? Because I want it to be like an HBO or Netflix show. And I condensed some of the ideas down into one 10-minute short film that I think was pretty strong. And similarly here. I pitched two very different films. One about henchmen of supervillains. And one about the custody of a, of a younger sibling. And fighting to keep them in your family. That's right. And both were good ideas. And I stand by both of them. I hate that I was in a room of superhero movie haters for one of the <laughs> ideas. Because if I was in a different room of people when I pitched it, it would have been a different response of what people liked more. I liked it. Yeah, I was in a room full of film students who are usually pretty pretentious. Like superhero films. I am... Um, so yeah, I'm kind of tired of this. Like, it's a different spin. I have a new idea, something fresh. Mm, not good enough. It's still, it still has superhero Typical elements Marvel. to it. But I pitched those, didn't feel right about it. I submitted a first draft of a script about two years ago to a, a teacher and said, this is what I'm kind of passionate about. And then I start writing another draft. I don't know how to end this draft. That's not why it's called No Endings. I'll get into that later. <laughs> or maybe it is. No, it's not. So I took those first few drafts, and I sent them to one of my friends, who's also a writer, and I said, can you help me take these elements here, these concepts, and help me do a, a decent short film with this? He liked my first draft more, and I agree. And then we took some similar elements from draft two. We weave some of those into this new draft. And together we wrote back and forth, and then we came to the film that I made, pretty much, which is a short thriller about a young woman named Randy. Randy Callahan lives her life on the run. There's a group called the Reapers who will stop at nothing to get her and a thing that is in her possession. And that's the gist of the story. And I think it worked really well. I'm really proud of what we created. I'm really proud of the cast and the crew and how hard we worked. But of course, shit happens on set all the time. So... Nothing ever goes fully as planned. Literally ever. Do you agree, Josh? Yep. <laughs> yep. And I was working on a bit more ambitious film than Josh was, in terms of scale. Yep. So, his was one day, two rooms, that's it, pretty chill. Mine was, I had to have weapons on set, in the woods mostly, or in a cabin. We were running around in the woods, we had different outfits changing, we had flashbacks, we had prosthetics, we had a lot of stuff, we had fake blood going on. There was quite a bit. Yeah, and so, like, from a production standpoint, it was hard to do. That's why I raised over $1,000 to make the film. 
And we yeah. did, and it helped a lot. I ran an Indiegogo campaign to crowdfund for the film. We raised a decent chunk of change that we could not make the film with without it. And I'm so grateful to everyone about that. And my producer and I are about to make thank you videos for the people who donated $100 or more who bought that video. And thank you if you did help in the, in the process for crowdfunding the film at all. Thank you so much. So, it was cold outside. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. It was cold outside. <laughs> what? Our lead actress, fantastic performance. So good. But she was very cold. I wrote in the script for her to have a jacket because I knew it would be cold outside. It didn't help. Or we had problems like two actors got COVID so couldn't come to set. So we had fewer of extras that we were going to have originally that would have enhanced the film. But it turned out fine otherwise. And filmmaking is always making the same film three times, but differently. You make a film in pre-production, you make a different film in production, and you make a different film in post-production. It's always changing. Yep. It's really fun working with that idea. We changed some structural things in the edit, and I think it helped a lot. And it's going to consistently happen, I think. We had to just get the casting perfect for the main lead, Randy. Because otherwise, this would all fall apart. Yeah. This person had to convey pure panic and pain and this past trauma and experience that's not seen on screen, but you can feel it in her performance. That's so desperately needed in this role. And she brought it. And we had two full days, two five-hour days of auditions. And my producer and I were tired. <laughs> and then we had, again, four hours of callbacks. Because we had four actors for the lead Randy coming in and two actors for um, another man named Silas as like one of the characters. And we had those two actors read with each of the other Randys and see how that goes. So I think the whole, it was, this is my first time having a very full scale audition process. We had people coming in from Facebook groups, from uh, the listserv at school, or from backstage. And I'm glad we had all those outlets because we would not have cast this otherwise. Overall, I would say do not make a short film that you don't think you can do. Uh, especially for a senior film. Don't be too ambitious. Yes, cut. Yes, there are ideas you may have where it could be like a superhero film or a big fantasy type of film or like big sci-fi film, things that could, you know, require way more work than you think that they do. And you either will not have the time to make it happen or the money to make it happen. Realistically, you won't have both. And that's why I aimed for making mine way smaller and much more doable in terms of like money and time and other things like that. I was never planning on doing like a superhero film or things like that. I knew it would need to be smaller if I wanted it to work. And that's my advice I would give it for at least idea wise. If you've got an idea for like a big sci-fi fantasy, whatnot, See what you can grab from that in terms of concepts and see how you can make that doable uh, with with limited time and limited money. Exactly. And both my films, Co-op and No Endings, had big sci-fi ideas in them that I boiled down to their essence and, saw, and thought about how can I make this doable for 10 minutes? How can I make this, the scale of the story work in a small scale? How can I take these intense action sequences I had originally planned or intense uh, like sets and, and locations and boil them down to what I absolutely need to make the story work, and I did, and therefore I could actually shoot it. If I kept some original script stuff I was going to do, I couldn't have done this film. And I kept thinking about that. About that. Uh, there was stuff in our quote-unquote final draft of the script, like the shooting script, that we'd changed about two weeks beforehand. Because I'm like, I can't get these materials. I, we're going to have rabbits in a cage that we changed 
to tracts on the ground. Um, and it works just fine. It just changed some dialogue. Yep. So I, I think it's like a constant thing is always make it a good, solid story. Then you can always edit it and tweak it and make it doable for it's in your own resources. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Uh, no Endings will be released publicly at some point. But you can, if you want to know when my film will be released, you can follow it on social media at No Endings Film on Twitter and Instagram. And Josh, you have an Instagram for Just Breathe, right? I do, which I have yet to post anything because after the festival, when I came back home, for some reason, Instagram just did not want to work for several weeks. I don't know why, but eventually I'll start posting on there again. It is just breathe underscore film, I'm pretty sure. Nice. I think it's important to um, keep putting stuff out there and keep like working on your art because as our friend Bueller always says, give yourself permission to make something bad. Understand that what you put out there, give it your all, make it good, make it as good as you can do it, but be okay if it's not perfect, because it's going to be not perfect, especially for your first few things you're making. Your first 20 things might not be amazing, but you keep learning from it and keep building on it, and I think it's a very important thing to do. Like, I don't think, I couldn't have made this four years ago, I know that for a fact, when I was first in film school. I couldn't have made a lot of what I've done. I've learned a lot, and I, a big part of that is due to who was around me. My amazing crew I worked with, with Kate and Kate as my producer, who produced Josh's film Tickets, Please. She's phenomenal. Like, they are amazing to work with. My amazing DP, Sean Malungian, was an amazing cinematographer. I'm glad he and I discussed a lot of the visual style, a lot of the ideas, and what I was going for beforehand, and made sure it was very concrete. And also open to change on set, because we worked in a small cabin with limited lighting and space. Which... I'll let Josh touch on a little bit since he was my gaffer on my film. Uh, man, I was, I was so mad on set when you showed me the cabin that we were going to be filming a lot of stuff. And I was just like, there are so many windows here and almost all of this is at nighttime. Why are you doing this to me? So we had to go and buy a ton of trash bags and just tape those all around everywhere to make it as pitch black as we possibly could. It took like two hours to tape everything up. It was so much, but... It worked out in the end, and it was a good cabin to use. Yeah, it worked out really well because, but you made it look like daytime, uh, like like nighttime during the day, perfectly. The way the schedule worked, we had to shoot nighttime scenes during the day because of timing-wise. Mm -hmm. We couldn't be there too long at night because it was in a public park when we filmed. We had a permit for everything. We had it blocked off. We had like the enforcement, like law enforcement on at the park knew what was happening, knew we had fake weapons, and everything was well informed and well organized. And they're amazing park rangers to work with. They're all very kind. Which yes. I'm very happy about, because that could have been a pain too. Also, you got that stuff done while we were shooting other scenes in the woods. And so timeline-wise, it helped to save a lot of time. Yes. It was... The only time I was frustrated with myself as a gaffer was when we were filming the, like, nightmare scenes. Because, like, the lights that we had didn't really have that big of a color spectrum. And the way that they were, you couldn't really put gels and make it brightly, like, be a blue or a green or whatever. So, like, on set, I was trying my best to, like, make it look as different. I was just like, I think it's fine. We're gonna go with that. And thankfully, uh, your editor, Nathan Ridings, did a a better job than I did on making it weird colors. Well, he was our colors as well. He wasn't just editor. He also colorized. We worked a lot on, for lack of a better term, fucking up that nightmare. <laughs> we cut it apart. We chopped it up. We pushed things around. And we made it feel jarring. And I think it worked. Mm -hmm. Yep. And also we like kept saying, what if we, what if we tweak this? What if we raise saturation more? 
do it. <laughs> Let's be bad. Let's try this. And it worked out really well. We said, what if we just abandon all rules and see what happens? And it, it turned out okay. But know when to break a rule in film. Don't do it willy-nilly. And learn just the basic rules of film before you start filming. And don't break them just to be edgy. It's going to end badly. Yeah, like one of Josh's first film we talked about a year ago was Super Ultra Mega Play the Movie, where there's ah. some interesting continuity problems. There are so many continuity problems. We break like the 180 rules so much. I and that was because I didn't know about any, any of that stuff. Well, I knew about continuity, so I wrote in I quote unquote wrote in a joke. It was me ad libbing it on the day of just being like, "Oh, we're in different clothes now." Like, dude, you gotta hurry up so we, this doesn't keep happening anymore. Just to try to you know cover myself for that. We actually had also cool, amazing posters designed by our friend Michelle Pan. Michelle, you did an incredible job on both both our posters. Yes, I'm very happy with them. Uh, and then Noah Ings poster looks fucking awesome. It looks like an intense short, which it was. I'm glad it comes across. And uh, also, my friend Alex Ketch, who also was, uh, worked on both of our films, she composed the score for No Endings that this film would not have felt any tension without her. Mm-hmm. I mean, felt, like, the visuals are still it, tense, but like music and, sc- and sound do a whole lot for your film. So much. Never skimp out on music. Please don't. <laughs> you can learn more about my film on IMDb, if you search up No Endings on IMDb, you'll find it. Or on Letterboxd, it's on both those sites. What is something that you took away, like looking back from your first film to this? Oh, God. What are you glad that you've learned or changed, the biggest thing that you've grown from? So much, because as I've said before, that film was a disaster when you go back and rewatch it. It was so much fun making it, but... I didn't, we had a script, I didn't use it, I didn't plan out any shots, I didn't do anything really beforehand, it was just get there day of and be like, okay, what are we going to do today? That was the mentality. Uh, so the mentality has definitely changed to being actually planning things out beforehand, and figuring out really script what, just basically kind of everything, essentially. Like, while people, while film school, you know, can't always be questionable, like, did I really need to do this or did I not? I would definitely not have grown as much as a filmmaker as I did without film school. If uh, film is your passion, go to film school if you can't, if you're able to afford it. Join in Facebook groups in your community if you want to be a filmmaker. Join as many as you can. Apply to be a production assistant or a slash PA on any job you can. Eventually someone will say yes. And then you can be on an actual professional set and learn in the lowest level, entry level position and ask as many questions as possible. And you will learn a ton. I learned a lot freshman, sophomore year by just being lower level positions on set and just asking questions or watching the process. Yeah. It was very helpful doing that. The, the more sets you're on, no matter what position, the more you will learn, whether it be in the department that you're in or even if you're just like watching and seeing what, el- what other people are doing. Because when I was on a set as a grip, I never gripped before and I asked for you know help on how to do stuff and I learned a lot. And the guy that was the gaffer, um, <coughs> oh, I'm dying. Um, I worked very close with him. I learned a lot from him, but I also learned a lot, you know, just watching and seeing how the director directed and why she planned certain shots and why she did what she did. Right. Uh, you really do learn a lot no matter what position that you're in. So if you're interested in filmmaking at all, go for it. You have a phone, make a short, make a micro short, make a two minute short. You have, Je- you have a computer, go to Celtics.com, C-E-L-T-X.com and write a dumb, fun screenplay. Write anything. 
get get to the mental place of understanding if you've never made films before no matter what you make for your first time it will be bad and that is perfectly fine because you will not be the next spielberg by not making anything you've got to make something and improve from there because i can guarantee you that the f the first films that like spielberg made coppola all those big directors the very first things that they ever made were most likely not good but they learned and they improved from what they did. And that's what we've done from our first films. They're not the best. No. I, I'm saying they really, they're really not. Just because we graduated film school does not mean we graduated from film life or filmmaking. We have, we're going to continue this journey of learning every goddamn day. And that's kind of the fun of it. It's you never stop learning from film sets. As a filmmaker, if you're either not learning from your last film or don't find some flaw in what you did on your most current film, then you're doing something wrong. I'm not saying that you should hate your films when you make them, but I'm saying that you should be thinking critically of your own work and being like, I could have done that better. Overall, I like it, but I think that like one element I could have done differently. But you don't ever know that until afterwards anyways. Make things. Make bad shit. Make great shit. Make shit. Like, bad, amazing, whatever, throw it in the world and just accept it for what it is. And then just take what you made and learn from it. Put it out there. Get feedback. Get those one-star reviews. Learn what they said that it actually had merit. And learn from it. It's all important to learn. Any film is a miracle. The worst film in the world that happened at all is a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> like, as much as I don't like The Last Airbender, the fact that a film like that even got that far with that many sets and costumes and every part of it coming together, even at all... Is impressive that it happened. Any bad film is still impressive that it got made. So yeah. I, I'm I'm happy for our journey here. And with that, it brings us, Josh, to a segment called Super Weird Stories. You ready for it? I guess. Are they weird or they super? There, there's something in between, I'm pretty sure. Super weird stories. So we actually recorded two recently that didn't make it to the show. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we talked about two episodes ago, Gore the God Butcher, when our friend Sinjin was on. Damn. Um, that didn't make it in the cut. It was a bit too long for the podcast. And I gave him a minute of a mini recap on his character last episode anyway in the news about Thor Love and Thunder. So, last episode we recorded an extra bit about uh, a character, the irredeemable Ant-Man. And he's not a great guy. Not important. <laughs> uh, which we might touch on again in the future at some point just to talk about him because he's, he's a dipshit. As Josh now knows. Uh -huh. But the sound quality was unfixable, which is bad. I had an issue with it, and I couldn't fix it, so it wasn't usable. That's why the end bit of last episode, I used as little as possible for our like sign-out goodbye. If you want to reach the show and talk to us and have us answer your specific questions or whatever, email us at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet at us at hashtag geekspeakpod or the Twitter account geekspeakpod. We're there. Yeah. We'll respond to you either in the email or the tweet or respond to you on the show regardless. I'd love to talk to you about your comments, questions, and the concerns. But instead of the DCOM for the week, which we're still going to watch and talk about next time, we're not like skipping it, I decided to give you two super weird stories in place Ooh. of the past ones to help balance it out a little bit. Sound good to you, Josh? Sure. Yeah, awesome. I'm bringing out something I used to bring out called the... It was a book called The League of Regrettable Superheroes. I used to bring out a few times to talk about characters like Dr. Vampire and other weird characters who are one-offs. But today, let's first talk about Funny Man, Josh. I don't know who that is. Are you a little bit nervous here at this character, based on our track record of characters? 
I never know what to expect anymore, so just go for it. Before I get into that, Josh, what is a super weird story? What is this topic about, this subject? I don't know nothing about comics, and so this man here forces me to listen to some weird story <laughs> every week, and it can range from being nice to being blackface. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm never treating these things as good things. I am the reporter. I am the messenger of these things. <laughs> I am letting the audience and Josh specifically understand comics are weird. <laughs> they really are. So, Funny Man, want to know the first quote from him? Sure. Funny Man, the quote is, I like the idea of cleaning up on wrong guys with jabs and gags. What? What? <laughs> so, when do you think Funny Man as a character debuted? Probably, like, the 40s. Yes! Ha-ha! In Funny Man number one, uh, from Magazine Enterprises, January 1948. That's old. It is! Guess how much it costs to buy the comic? Ten cents. Yes. Haha. You're on a roll right now for your guessing games. Wonderful. What so, do I win? The unfortunate knowledge of the character. So, oh man. Do, you, do the names Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster ring a bell to you? They should. They're the guys that made Superman, right? They are. Aha. They also made Funny Man. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I just think it's funny. Because they, they went from Superman to this. The cool of Superman present their new hero, Funny Man. Let's get into it, shall we? Sure, why not? Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster are best known for King Superman, uh, and with him spawning the entire genre of superheroes. Although, The Man of Steel was their most popular creation, he wasn't Siegel and Schuster's first collaboration, and neither was he their last. That honor goes to Funny Man. <laughs> This was the Wonderful. last thing we ever made together. What a way to go on a high note. I know, right? I'm going to describe him to you first. Ready? Sure. He has a long, pointed nose that's a bit round at the end. Kind of like a clown. He has hair that it's like blonde, but looks like Archie. Okay? Archie's okay. hair. He wears white clown shoes. Uh, he wears um, parachute pants. And with yellow polka dots. Giant yellow polka dots. <laughs> Following so far? Fun, I guess. Rubbery yellow gloves. He has a vest, I want to say. With two looking three-dimensional giant buttons that are yellow popping off of the vest. A red bow tie. And a tuxedo jacket that is blue uh, with a plaid-like pattern. Okay. He also has a giant fist shooting out of his chest. With a box well, over the end. Oh. <laughs> Thoughts on that? Um, that it, definitely sounds like it's from the 40s. Is it more fun in your head than it would be to see a picture? I don't know. By 1948, Superman-related licensing had made a fortune for his publisher, and Superman's creators felt undercompensated, which they definitely were, by the way. With a lawsuit pending against their employer, Siegel and Schuster were forced to temporarily look elsewhere for paying work. Approaching Magazine Enterprises publisher, Vincent Sullivan, who, as an editor with The National, had been responsible for purchasing the first published Superman story, Siegel and Schuster decided to try a slightly different direction with their new hero. 
Well, they certainly did go in a direction. I just don't know what direction that really was. Superman had always contained comical elements, like the impish mi Mr. Mixes Pedalik, who I want to do a whole super story on eventually, because Mr. Mixes Pedalik is an interdimensional imp. You're saying words right now. Guess how Mixes Pedalik is spelled. I have no idea. I barely uh, registering that you're speaking English right now. M X Y Z T P L K. Okay. There's no vowels, only consonants. <laughs> cool. He's a, yeah, he's like a villainous prankster. Anyway, and uh, he's created many other comical elements involving Super Superman's lore. So it made sense to go in an even more comical direction. Naturally. Naturally, funny man, of course. Funny man put comedy on par with crime fighting. Why else would you? <laughs> uh, armed with an arsenal of classic gags, from hand buzzers to squirting flowers, and disguised by a putty nose, the Daffy Daredevil was secretly Larry Davis. A popular, You're about to say Larry David. A, a popular television comedian. Uh, in the early days of the medium, with a yen for acting out in public. So, he was a... He liked is it Larry Davis, not Larry David, of course. Larry Davis was a TV guy in the early days of TV who liked being outlandish in public, who went by the Daffy Daredevil Funny Man. Which is, the Daffy Daredevil seems like a cool name already. I like that. Mm -hmm. Davis's manager, agent, and occasional love interest, <laughs> June Farrell, arranged a publicity stunt wherein Davis, in the costume he'd soon wear as Funny Man, would foil a staged crime. Okay, this can only go poorly. <laughs> Crossed wires led Davis to confronting and defeating a real-life criminal, and at that moment, the comedian is hooked on do-gooding. Of course, he gets a high from it. Of course, naturally. <laughs> Unlike Lois Lane in the Superman books, June was fully aware of Larry's dual identity. And she hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Preferring to keep the comedian performing preferring to keep the comedian performing in venues with a chance of a payday. Smart, because he's also the agent manager, so gotta get the payroll. Meanwhile, Funny Man pattered out uh, his prop department with an eye toward even more efficient and absurd crook-catching. It's very alliterative. Now, not only was he well outfitted with a portable armory of practical jokes, he bolted around town on his gadget-loaded trick cycle, invented a... He also invented a flying jet jalopy. That's not clear what it is, it never says. And even maintained a massive funny manor, each room packed with crook nabbing traps. Thoughts okay. so far? Um Comedy of the Forties was very interesting. Funny Man did not catch the public's imagination in the same way as a pair's earlier collaboration of Superman. <laughs> very clearly. But this time around, Siegel and Schuster made sure to secure their intellectual property. Their names appear boldly not only on the first page of every story, but also on the cover of every issue, which was all but unheard of in those days. It's also and it was unheard of now. Yeah, I was say, it's pretty unheard of now. Less permanent was the tagline that topped the, the masthead of the first issue. The creators of Superman present their new hero. DC objected to its trademark being used by the competition. Uh, Funny Man managed to eke out a half dozen comic books as six issues, oh my! And a brief run as a syndicated newspaper strip. Oh, that's so sad. 
but the character Oof. but the character packed a lot into that brief existence. His rogues gallery included no shortage of, of villains, such as the gadget happy Doc, Doc gimmick, the elusive jailbird slippery slim, <laughs> the high speed laser, and his crime car. I love that. The sword wielding Monsieur Chevel, Timido oh. the timid menace, <laughs> Leapin Lena, nude Nick, no good Nick. What? Uh, <laughs> One of his villains is named Nude Nick No Good Nick. I I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> and many more villains. <laughs> I love it. Funny. How did comics survive this era? I don't know, but I love it. Oh, funny man even had to contend with a couple of hecklers. Comic Man and Laugh Man, copycat superheroes, looking to steal the slap happy hero's thunder. The collapse of Funny Man coincided roughly with Siegel and Schuster's court case, which was resolved in favor of Superman's longtime publisher. It's possible that even if their new character had caught on, neither creator would have felt the high spirit necessary to keep the collaboration going. And that is a story, in a, in a nutshell, of Funny Man. Thoughts, Josh? Well... I you don't want you don't want them all. Do you want to hear some from uh, dialogue from the comic? Because there's a page of the comic here. I guess I'll hear some. I mean, it's gonna be forties dialogue, so there'll be something good. We got two villains uh, fighting funny man. Ready? Okay. In this first panel is a woman or someone tied to the uh, tracks of a railroad. So funny man's gonna about to drive in and try and save them. The villains go, gonna rope you in. Taste pie. And they throw a pie in a rope. And then he says, hey, what's the idea? <laughs> Just like that. All right, then. Quality writing. Sure. And then Funny Man goes on to talk, about that, talk to them, saying, who are you? What are you? Me? I'm Laugh Man. Ho, ho, ho. Crooks captured with comic capers is my motto. And I'm Comic Man. When I titter, Tuffy's quail. Oh, my. Those are the, the copycats. Remember, Josh, from the other part? I know. I'm just saying about his use of titter. <laughs> It's a new word to use. When I titter, Tuffy is quail. I like the alliteration. So that is today's first of two super weird stories. That was definitely that. And on to the second one. Let's talk about Kid Eternity. I'm not familiar. Kid Eternity, his quote was, Eternity! <laughs> <laughs> it's like Spider-Man's catchphrase being, Spider! <laughs> yep. Uh, created by Otto Binder and Sheldon Moldoff. I don't they know who seem they like are. like fake names. He debuted in Hit Comics number 25 under Quality Comics, December in 1942. More 40s, what a time. Yep. His outfit. Do you want to know what it is? Sure. A turtleneck sweater, pants, and a sash on his belt. It's really lame. That's, yeah. It's a plain white long sleeve sweater with a turtleneck, gray long pants, a red belt. That's it. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> also, 10 cents. Few superheroes gain their powers as a result of a clerical error. But then there's Kid Eternity. While still a boy, Kid, his real name was never revealed, becomes the victim of Nazi aggression. A bit I mean, it was the 40s. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit different than Funny Man. 
uh, when a U-boat sinks his grandfather's ship, heavy with its cargo of robber and crude oil, taking with it with it all hands. Oh my god. <laughs> Their bodies are recovered by a patrolling American destroyer, but the next time we see the kid and his grandpa, they're among the Elysian fields of eternity. This already seems way cooler than Funny Man was. Yes. So, is he dead? We'll find well, out what that means. I'm gonna say maybe. Concerning Grandpa and the rest of the crew, there's no problem. What kind of sentence is that? In the fatalistic universe of Kid Eternity, the dates and methods of every human death are preordained. So the recently snuffed sailors were expected. That's cool. Not the kid, though. Thanks to a celestial bookkeeping error, like in the movie Soul, kind of. The first in two million years, the kid passed away before his time. That's kind of a lot like Soul in some ideas there. I like that. Yeah. The count was off. He wasn't scheduled to shuffle off the mortal coil for another 75 years. That's some fun wording. Shuffle off the mortal coil. <laughs> shuffle the mortal coil. Uh, it's disheartening to imagine that bureaucratic error persists in the afterlife, but at least the powers that be make it up to the kid in spades. First, they return him to his human body. No mean feat, considering he has to be recovered from burial at sea. Yeah, that's kind of intense. Yeah. It does not end there. The kid is granted tremendous supernatural powers. With a shout of his magic word, ETERNITY! He can switch between his mortal and ghostly forms, perform feats of pure magic, and summon the greatest figures of history, myth, and fiction to his beck and call. Fiction? You can make up people? <laughs> that's a cool power! Okay, this guy's really cool. I actually like him. I, I rarely like these characters to talk about. Just saying. Guiding the underage superhero in his mission against crime is Mr. Keeper, the portly desk jockey whose error resulted in the kid's unscheduled kicking the bucket. It's good he's trying to make it up to him. That's good. He gave him powers and go back to the living world. All good things. Together, the pair proved popular enough to score the kid his a title of his own, in addition to his appearances in hit comics. Over the course of his solo run, the kid's powers narrow in scope. His magic word originally gave him nearly limitless abilities, but eventually, his power set was limited to transitioning between mortal and ghost, and summoning of notable shades, including fictional ones. That's still a really cool power to me. Just summoning yep. fictional people. Come on, Sherlock Holmes! That's a cool power! You could- the- that would- oh my god, the powers that you could have of just summoning, like, someone that could just snap the world away. I like, I, also, like, imagine that power now existing. Like, I'm gonna summon all of Star Wars. That'd be so that'd be so cool. Right? That's like a Ready Player One and Free Guy had a superhero like kid together. Yeah. Still, the la the latter ability served him well, and when he was in a jam, Kid uh, Eternity summoned everyone from Paul Bunyan and Hercules to Newt Rockney and Robin Hood. Unexpected choices include prohibitionist Carry Nation, always an asset when you have to throw down in a gang of hoodlums, and fellow quality comics character Blackhawk. Kid Attorney's opposite arrival was Masterman, a reformed school thug who could summon the most evil figures in myth and history by hollowing his own magic word, Stygia. It's not as fun as Eternity. No. Apparently, the infernal alternative to this cosmology's divine Eternity. Okay, so it's like a reverse, like, kind of hellish place, I guess. Among Kid Attorney's more dangerous foes, like the Sinister Kali or the Wrenched Doctor Pain, was a pair of lady con artists called Her Highness and Silk, 
who became so popular that they graduated to a feature of their own by the early 1950s, Kenneth Hurney's popularity faded, bringing him, or at least his book, the death he'd evaded for years. That's really sad. Yeah. Although he's been resilient enough to survive a few revivals since, none of Kidd's re reappearances have earned him superstardom. If Kid Eternity wants a second life as an A-list hero, he'd better hurry up. His 75-year reprieve is almost over. <laughs> wow. That's actually pretty cool. Having the power to bring anything, like any kind of fictional character, like into your world, that's so cool. Like, it's one thing if it's just that anyone who died bring them back to fight or whatever, that's different. But anyone in all of fiction? Wow. I love that. I would love in, like, having a kid have that power, like, you... That'd be so cool. Also, his origin of you weren't supposed to die yet is really interesting to me. Yeah. Make it up to you. Anyway, that's our episode pretty much, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. It means the world to us. If you can give us on Spotify that, uh, that follow, that five-star rating... On Apple uh, Podcasts and Google Podcasts, give us those five-star ratings. Leave some positive reviews. It helps us out a lot. You also can subscribe to us on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash geekspeakpodcast, I think. Go check us out. It would mean the world to us if you helped us build our group brand more and help out the show. And with any comments or questions, email us at podgeekspeak, G-E-E-K-S-P-E-A-K, at gmail.com. Or again, tweet at us at GeekSpeakPod or hashtag GeekSpeakPod. We are more than happy to answer all of your quandaries. Yes. Josh, where can people find you online? Go to Instagram at J underscore Rudy16. Do it, everyone. Go to right now. Do it. Sorry. Yes. Go on. Uh, YouTube, Josh Rudolph. Twitter, J underscore Rudy28. TikTok, Rudy underscore the film nerd. Uh, are you going to upload any more content soon on TikTok or YouTube? I'm hoping to with YouTube soon, once I can actually get some free time and sit myself down and do it, yes. And then TikTok, uh, also, yes, I just need to figure that out. You need to have thoughts and ideas again. Exactly, which is difficult. Anyway, you guys can find me on the internet. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd at uh, that theater nerd, I think. You can just search up Sean Williams and find me. Both my crew profile for Co-op and No Endings, like as a director, and you also can find me on there as... A user have my own letterbox page uh you also can find me on tiktok at that nerd theater and on instagram at that nerd theater and by the time this is out look up on youtube co-op 22 short film 2022 film it'll be on the liquid canvas productions youtube channel yeah this is our show thank you so much for all listening oh and i'm on twitter at the theater nerd anyway <laughs> thank you all so much for listening it's been a great time and we're glad to be back in a consistent way Yee, the stars are bright, man. They're just there, vibing. That's about the best my brain can do right now. I, blah, 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 blah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.